Hello and welcome to another episode of Spitting Feathers, the podcast that gets into the mind of people who've seen it all. We're back with our Lancashire Legends series and our guest today has certainly seen more of the county than most. From sheep farmer to Queen's right-hand man, we're here today at Leck Hall in the north of the county at the home of Her Majesty's Lord Lieutenant of Lancashire, the Lord Shuttleworth. So today we are with um, Lord Shuttleworth, the Lord Lieutenant of Lancashire, um, which I think means the Queen's representative in Lancashire. Um, Lord Shuttleworth, how should I address you? Oh, call me Charles. Okay, so that's um, the formalities out of the way, I guess. Um, so you're, we'll go through um, a lot of things in the next hour or so about um, how you've uh, supported the Queen and how you're her eyes and ears on the ground here in Lancashire. But really, I want to get to know the man behind the Queen in Lancashire, really. Um, so life for you started in Burnley. Indeed, I was, uh, I was actually born in Manchester, but uh, mm-hmm. my parents lived at Gorpal Hall. Um, on the edge of Burnley, yeah. and I was there till I was five, when mm-hmm. we moved to North Lancashire, to, to Leck, where um, we live now. And of course many people will know Gawthorpe Hall from visiting it, but a lot of people will know the land around Gawthorpe Hall as the training facility for Burnley Football Club. Indeed, and I've been a fan of uh, the Clarets um, since I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, watching them uh, there uh, and um, seeing the team have great ups and downs over yeah. the last 50 or 60 years. Uh-huh. Um, and of course the, there is a rumour that the Queen supports Burnley. Well there may be a rumour. <laughs> um, she has certainly visited Turf Moor with yeah. me uh, yeah. in her Down and Jubilee year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Prince of Wales has been there twice, in mm-hmm. my, um, to my knowledge. To and of course, more. he's a great supporter of the town as a whole, isn't he? He's done wonderfully well for mm-hmm. Burnley. Um, the Weaver's Triangle, mm-hmm. which is now substantially restored. Lovely yeah. buildings, um, old Georgian buildings, uh-huh. stone, and slate roofs. Um, they would not have been restored mm-hmm. without his nagging yeah. and his persistent returning to Burnley uh-huh. to say, now, what have you done since I uh-huh. was last here? And really shaming uh-huh. um, local authority, local businesses, local uh-huh. people into doing something uh-huh. um, uh, that they haven't really planned to and, do. And it's quite strange, isn't it? Because I, I love Burnley, but it's quite strange that the Prince of Wales, out of, out of everywhere, would pick Burnley as this place to really latch on to. He very much wants to make a difference, mm-hmm. and that's how he uh, judges the sorts of places where he feels he can intervene. Yeah. He's not there just to pat people mm-hmm. on the head mm-hmm. uh, or say, isn't all this lovely? Yeah. He's there to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he saw, um, uh, no doubt people had drawn it to his attention, but I think he saw the opportunity in Burnley. And really, I, it wouldn't have happened without him. Mm-hmm. And so, well, hopefully one day we'll have the monarch or a future monarch at uh, a Burnley football match, who knows. Um, <laughs> so life started for you at Gawthorpe Hall, and we're now, um, the, the drive up here, I live uh, quite close to Burnley in Colne, and the drive up here to Leck, where we are today, which is where you now live, is an absolutely beautiful drive. This is a beautiful, beautiful part of um, Lancashire. So explain to us... Um, well, first of all, let's let's cover where af- after Gawthorpe, where where did life take you then? Uh, life took me away to school mm-hmm. um, uh, from home at Leck all the time, mm-hmm. but uh, school in Northamptonshire as a prep school, and then mm-hmm. uh, I went to Eton, mm-hmm. um, 
And after that, I went to Africa mm -hmm. for a year in Kenya, where I worked on a farm. And I thought I might come back and go to university. <laughs> but I decided while I was out in Africa to get straight on with qualifying as a chartered surveyor. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to be an eternal student. I wanted to earn my living and get independent as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and in those days, it took four years to qualify as a chartered surveyor. So I went and worked uh, in County Durham uh, on a beautiful large rural estate um, and qualified. I then went to the City of London for seven or eight years. The, just the point about not going to the university, that's, that's quite an interesting point because I guess um, at the moment there are so many people, I, I think we're almost back at that point now where lots of people have realised the value of not necessarily going to university and doing the eternal studying and actually just getting on the ground and getting a qualification. And I think certainly places like Lancashire, there are huge numbers of people going and getting a qualification, whether that be in engineering is obviously huge, the trades are pretty big. There are huge numbers of young people who probably like to hear that people who've become very successful have started off. You don't have to go to university. No. Um, it might have changed my life in a way that I can't predict, I can't, can't imagine, but um, I got good practical experience mm -hmm. doing my training. I was in effect an apprentice. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get paid for the first three of the five years I was doing it. Mm. Um, I, in fact, think I had to pay a bit to the person <laughs> to whom I was apprenticed. Um, but um, it was important to, to get that practical experience and very helpful mm -hmm. uh, while I was qualifying, because it meant I could go straight you know, into work once qualified with four or five years of practical alignment. Yeah. And then, so after that, you go to the city, which a lot of um, a lot of young people in Lancashire do now. They train and then as soon as they're trained they uh, flee off to the city. They don't always come back. It's nice that you came back but what did you do when you um, went to London? I went to work in a firm of commercial surveyors uh, dealing with rent reviews, planning issues, uh, entirely urban property. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was in the city, but we had quite an interesting East End practice. Mm -hmm. I found myself down uh, the Mile End Road um, uh, going into East London uh, on, on, on several occasions with the most fantastic characters. Yeah. Um, but then we had basic city work too, big mm -hmm. office rent reviews, uh, lots of um, agency work. And, um, and it, was, it was good grinding. And then from there you came back to Preston, mm. which is a million miles away from the city of London, not just geographically, but um, the, the city of Preston, it, it might not have even been a city at the time. But No, it was before it was made a city. Yeah, uh, but the landscape itself, the, the commercial property scene in Preston is entirely different to London, I would suspect. Yes, and it's now entirely different to when I started mm -hmm. uh, in, in the late 70s, um, early 80s in Preston. Um, I've seen massive changes in, in, in the town and mm -hmm. city. Um, and do you think some I of wanted that's... to come back to the northwest, though, mm -hmm. uh, and therefore I, if I was going to live at Lec, mm -hmm. I needed to be in commuting distance yeah. of work. Mm -hmm. uh, and Preston was you know, an hour's drive. Mm -hmm. And that was bearable every day. Yeah, and did you when you when you came back north to Preston? Did you 
Did you try and apply any of the practice that you'd learnt in London? Oh, indeed, yeah. And I stayed entirely doing entirely commercial mm-hmm. property. Um, we had um, some uh, very interesting um, clients, quite a lot of small family businessmen mm-hmm. who had shops or little workshops or factories yeah. dotted around Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Um, but because also of my um, city experience, um, I did some work for London Transport in, the, in London. I found myself getting involved um, with the uh, metro when it was being built in Newcastle, mm-hmm. advising the people who were building it okay. on various um, compensation matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also found myself looking after a lot of people in the way of the motorway going through Burnley. Okay, yeah. When that yeah. was being built, I acted for all the little shopkeepers, mm-hmm. uh, Gano Top, who were. Uh, um, dispossessed and their properties all flattened yeah. to build the motorway. Maybe one day if it goes all the way through to Yorkshire you'll have to deal with uh, Boundary Mill which is well, the, yes. the, the end of the M65 the there end. is no way around Boundary Mill um, and so from there obviously you uh, worked as a surveyor in Preston and then back home well there is a sort of a building society career in the middle of there as well isn't there where you became director of Burnley Building Society and then that rose through the ranks of the Building Society network. (laughs) I was very, very lucky. Um, The Building Society, the Burnley Building Society was a great business, Mm -hmm. absolutely superb and much bigger and better than one might have expected for a company based in Burnley. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was a national Mm -hmm. success. Um, But the directors were being advised um, that it was time they had some uh, external experience, not just uh, the businessmen yeah. uh, on the board. And their eyes swiveled around um, <laughs> And um, here was I, just back from 10 years in the city of London, uh, brought up in Burnley. Yeah, I yeah. seemed to just fit in there <laughs> with what they were uh, looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learnt a great deal from some very wise Burnley mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and enormously enjoyed it but quite quickly we saw which way the wind was blowing the building starters mm-hmm. we merged with the provincial in Yorkshire to form the national and provincial building starter yeah I eventually became chairman of that in Brantford uh, we were then taken over by Abbey National mm-hmm. uh, and I was uh, on the board there for 10 years deputy chairman and then uh, Santander came mm-hmm. along and bought Abbey National, yeah, yeah. Um, and I worked for Santander, not on the main board, mm-hmm. but as uh, chairman of the uh, group pension funds mm-hmm. uh, for ten years. Retired last year. Wow! So it's until very recently, very you've recently been, uh, involved in, yeah. and of course we were just we were just talking on the way up here. Santander seemed to be one of the only banks that are trying to maintain a high street presence, which is quite good that in places like Burnley where the Burnley Building Society began, they yeah. still have a presence today. They do, which they is, do, which and um, I hope it will continue mm. as long as it's needed. And then today we're at uh, Leck Hall, and this is, I guess, the business you can never give up, because <laughs> this is the family business, um, the estate. You, uh, you have about 6,000 acres here, I think, um, a little bit of land elsewhere, um, and you farm one of the farms yourselves. I do. Um, I've, um, I started in a small way um, 40 years, 50 years ago uh, when I first uh, inherited it. 
Um, and we know from um, a large hill sheep farm uh, as a family business, we have 1,300 uh, breeding ewes, and um, I get a great deal of pleasure out of it. I don't do the dirty work. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have a couple of outstandingly good shepherds mm -hmm. uh, who work for me. I um, do get involved a bit more in the planning and yeah. the endless paperwork that comes <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with running a farm business mm -hmm. these days. And how tough and how tough is hill sheep farming? Um, we're all in a state of uncertainty because mm -hmm. of the um, the Brexit position mm -hmm. and not knowing what's going to happen um, when the Common Agricultural Policy ceases to apply. Um, it's taking the government quite some time to work out uh, whether or not farms uh, that only exist, only survive because of the uh, subsidy mm -hmm. through the uh, CAP, um, whether they should continue to be supported mm -hmm. um, or whether the uplands are going to be in effect abandoned by mm -hmm. farming businesses. Mm -hmm. I'd hate to see that because I think the result will be that the uplands then don't get looked after very well. Yeah, and I think that is a, a very good point, isn't it? I mean, a, a vast swathes of Lancashire will be um, given over to hill sheep farming in in the main um, and if I, I think it's really important that people look at it not just as producing lamb in and certain it's, it's not a byproduct but really without those farmers on the hills and the fells round here we'd be living in a very different landscape to the landscape we live in today wouldn't we and when we drive when I drove up here the hours drive to Lake the beautiful scenery and it's all sheep farming all the way up mm. in, the, in the very vast majority of it and it would be a completely different world if it would be and um, I really question whether it's um, what the general public who enjoy the countryside as it is now mm -hmm. uh, would really want for the future mm -hmm. if we abandoned it as it were um, you know all the walls would fall down eventually they wouldn't yeah. be repaired um, we'd have ditches blocked, drains mm -hmm. blocked, we'd have um, scrub mm -hmm. growing on a lot of the hills. Um, it, and, just, it just wouldn't be the same and, and maybe we as um, Lancastrians ought to be standing up more and learning, uh, learning more about the impact that sheep farming has on uh, the area around us because of course we're a very highly, uh, we have a lot of visitors that come to Lancashire to see this beautiful scenery which without it being kept by these stewards of the countryside, the people might not come. And we've certainly had a huge change in fortunes in, um, in terms of food tourism and people coming for a walk and to enjoy some of the best pubs in the country around here. And that might not all be there if it weren't for these people looking after the fells for us. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the farmers definitely look after the land um, and... The important thing to remember is that they do it as part of a successful business. Mm -hmm. If the business doesn't work, the farmers aren't suddenly going to turn themselves into park keepers mm -hmm. just to manicure the, the countryside. They do it because it's part of a successful business. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I think it's extremely important um, that some really good thinking is, is put into this. Mm -hmm. um, we also, frankly, need the people mm -hmm. to live 
in these rural areas, um, it would be um, tragic if um, the countryside lost yeah. the the population that actually works in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they all we all return to the seaside or into a large yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for for the I guess average Lancastrian listening to this, they might listen to this and think, "Now Lord Shuttleworth, he's from a privileged background, was born at Gawthorpe Hall, went to Eton." But I guess, really, you have, like many, many business people in Lancashire, been handed the family business and have to keep that going for the next generation. And we're a county full of um, outstanding family businesses, and this is yours, really, isn't it, the, the estate? What, how, how much pressure, I mean, because you're from, and you'll be able to tell us a bit of this history, you're from one of the oldest families in the county, how, how much pressure is there because you're handed this family business that is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old? That must be quite a bit of pressure to make sure that it's there for the next generation. Indeed. Um, I mean, we have been fortunate to be landowners for many centuries. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, previous generations have handed it on. Um, but one can only go on doing that so long as it's possible to make a living from it, mm -hmm. or uh, for it to generate the sort of income that can employ people to look after it. Mm -hmm. um, and that applies to any business. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it's an economic factor that will um, cause change. Um, and if I can't make a success of farming, uh, if the few tenants we have can't mm -hmm. make a success of farming, um, the family business will cease to exist. Yeah, and it's quite incredible, really, when you look at, I guess, <coughs> the family business that's existed for centuries, because usually somewhere in a line, of, in a chain of um, succession of people taking on family businesses, usually there's a badon who screws it up along the way. So you, I guess your family have been very fortunate oh, that you've all oh, no, you've managed to hold on. <laughs> There are some bad. There have been some bad ones in history. Um, I found one file, very old file, in the office from one of my ancestors, just marked debts and mistresses. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, quite brave to put that on the uh, outside of the file. I thought, um, uh, 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 and one of them uh, got very um, excited by um, uh, yachting. Uh, mm -hmm. In the sea and uh, and spent a lot of money um, building uh, uh, smart yachts to yeah. sail off the Isle of Wight and things, and that uh, was goodbye to quite a lot of. Uh, nobody's yeah, ever was, gambled the lot, though. No, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's gambled the lot, but you, you do need often, and particularly landowning or farming, an injection of capital from other sources, mm -hmm. uh, and I think we've been fortunate over the years. Um, to have had one or two of those injections. I mean, most recently, I suppose, um, some land uh, near Burnley for, went housing, mm -hmm. and that's a new source yeah, of yeah. capital coming mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. um, going back a bit further, uh, before nationalisation, coal mines yeah. were owned by the family and leased out, yeah. uh, and royalties paid for the coal taken out, mm -hmm. and that brought in outside funds, yeah, yeah. if you like, which support the house mm -hmm. and the agricultural Yeah, because as, as somebody who was a land agent myself, I, I know that the day-to-day -day will be 
pretty tight. There won't be tons of money left over at the end of the year. So it is about looking for those extra injections, isn't it? That can really because you've still you've still got to invest into the estate. Yeah, I mean, even simple things like you know re-roofing buildings um, mm-hmm. requires a, a chunk of cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not easy to accumulate that uh, over years. Mm-hmm. You, you do need now and again an external source of, um, of, of earnings, and it helps if uh, uh, one generation uh, runs a very successful entrepreneurial business doing something completely different. Yeah, yeah. And I think centuries ago it might have been that the um, landowners were very wealthy people with a shed load of cash, but. As time has gone on, uh, things have become much tighter, haven't they? And yes. we've, we've seen estates up and down the country that have had to be sold off wholesale. So I think um, it's quite a credit that you've still, or your family over the centuries, have, have managed to... Well, it would be nice if it carried on, but <laughs> I am going to place, I hope, no restrictions or no, no. impositions on future generations. Because um, there must be pressure for each generation, of, particularly and because of the length of time. If it's better for them to sell and let somebody else look after the land, then so be it. And that's a very good way um, of looking at it, I think. We'll, we'll run through, um, because the listenership of this podcast is uh, um, quite young, and I want to just explain a bit about the monarchy and its in, or, or Lancashire's importance to the monarchy, really, because um, we have... The Queen has a home here, for example, that, or an estate here that people won't know about. Um, I bet most people don't even know who the Duke of Lancaster is um, who are listening to this. So I thought we can use this as an opportunity. So if you explain, if you want to explain who the Duke of Lancaster is. Indeed, the Duke of Lancaster is the monarch. Mm-hmm. At present, it is Her Majesty the Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been like that um, since 1399. Mm-hmm. Um, I do sometimes wonder if um, the Duke of Edinburgh thinks that if his wife's the Duke of Lancaster, <laughs> what that makes him. <laughs> and then um, they have, I mean, there seems to be a very special place in the, mon- the monarchy's hearts for um, Lancashire. Um, indeed, indeed. Um, I mean, uh, as you say, there are some Lancashire properties. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the most attractive estate in the trough of Boland. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is apparently the centre of, is it Great Britain? Yeah, Stamford yeah. Bridge yeah, is yeah, um, yeah. The, said to be the central point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also you know, Lancaster Castle, mm-hmm. which is really uh, the, the visible heart of the, of the duchy uh, yeah. in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Because the Queen is the Duke of Lancaster, mm-hmm. Lancashire people feel a special attachment. Uh, yeah. Um, she's one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she she has this estate, or she, she has this estate in Lancashire. Um, and I guess we know when the monarchy come here, when you organise visits, there's a big fanfare. Do, do the royal family ever come and stay on the estate, or come and stay in Lancashire in secret? Um... But there has there have been private visits, mm-hmm. uh, usually staying with friends mm-hmm. of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not very common. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's extremely difficult, in fact, for the royal, any member of the royal family to move anywhere in secret. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and almost every visit is a public visit, yeah. uh, which means it's uh, known about and it's recorded in a court circular in a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that must be quite a challenge if you just want to go walking around yeah, your fields yeah, and you I, can't. I think people sometimes don't realise yeah. how difficult it is for the royal family, members yeah. of the royal family, to be private. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for a start, they always have a policeman with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they're yeah. never alone. Yeah, yeah. Never. And that must, yeah, I think people don't realise how much of a challenge that may, that may be. Because I think a lot of people would see them as lucky, as being born into that lifestyle. But really, they, they have no choice. No, they're born into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it is um, a really restrictive form of life compared with what the rest of us mm-hmm. can do. I mean, as you say, we can go out for a walk. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if the Queen goes out for a walk, a lot of people have to know her. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, be around. Go, go, be around, go with her or, mm-hmm. you know, go ahead of her or whatever. So we'll just touch on the only job, I think, or the only job that we haven't discussed yet, which is your role as the Lord Lieutenant of Lancashire, which is the eyes and ears on the ground here in the county. But do you want to just explain what that job really entails? Well, every county has a Lord Lieutenant mm-hmm. uh, who represents the Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do what we can to uh, maintain the standards uh, and values of the monarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I describe it usually as try and do in Lancashire the sorts of things the Queen would like to do if she could be there uh-huh. all the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that's going on across every county mm-hmm. uh, in England, Wales, mm-hmm. Scotland and Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, and so we have a variety of duties, uh, uh, Lord Lieutenants. Um, Organising royal visits is one of them, but that's actually quite a small part mm-hmm. of the total time involved. Um, how how um, how much of an operation is organising a royal visit? Well, the great object is to make them appear completely spontaneous, and that takes a huge amount of planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we, um, I mean, we probably are working on a formal visit um, at least six months ahead of it taking place, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, in Lancashire, we're lucky if we get to five or six mm-hmm. day visits from various members of the royal family mm-hmm. in a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're a long way away and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other parts of, uh, of the job involve supporting uh, voluntary organisations, mm-hmm. uh, charities. Um, the Queen and other members of the Royal Family are patrons of all sorts of charities mm-hmm. and we try and give them support. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also... Uh, do what we can for the services, yeah. um, particularly the reserve forces and the cadets, the young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, we, ma- how many visits would, because you do visits without the royal family as their representative really, don't you? Yeah. Um, how, how many of those do you get through a year? Um, I'm not sure I've ever counted, but um, it would be most unusual if I'm not visiting some organisation every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And very often half a dozen. Yeah. Um, particularly so, in a big county like Lancashire, you try and sort of do three in a day. Yeah. I, I love going to visit manufacturing mm-hmm. companies. Yeah. So I mean, really, in terms of um, 
seeing the county, there will be very few people in Lancashire who've seen as many organisations and, and businesses as you have, because in each area you have a mayor and they might see stuff in their own area, but really, on a pan-Lancashire basis, there'll be you must be the man who's seen the most. Well, I, I'm very fortunate from that point of view. I mean, I do travel all over the country, and, mm-hmm. and I know it very well. I've been doing this job for 22 years mm-hmm. now. Um, the, the most obvious visits to um, companies are to present Queen's Awards for Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we hopefully get half a dozen of them uh, a year. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and... I will go in full uniform, very formally, mm-hmm. on behalf of the Queen, to present the Queen's And it's quite a uniform, us. isn't it? It is quite a uniform. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, it is quite a uniform. Um, it's not terribly comfortable, and the older you get, the more it seems to shrink. <laughs> it's, it, I'm just looking at it on the wall now, it is... Um, quite a thing. So, I, I, I get, so you visit a lot of um, businesses, obviously... Lancashire is a huge area for manufacturing, isn't it? Um, and certainly certain parts of Lancashire have some of the highest concentrations of manufacturing of anywhere in the UK. What do you think it is that makes the Lancashire people so good at manufacturing? It's innate experience, particularly mm-hmm. in engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you go back to the old staples of cotton and coal. Mm-hmm. Um, Lancastrians were very good mm-hmm. at machinery making things work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm staggering looking at some of the uh, early looms, weaving looms. Um, they're really quite sophisticated yeah. things. It's quite a sophisticated process. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they developed over the years. Um, so I think there's an innate mm-hmm. skill um, in certain areas. Um, and how do you think, because really we were part of the birth of the Industrial Revolution here, weren't we? And, and I think um, if you were to go around the UK and say that and ask people where the birth of the Industrial Revolution was, I'm not sure you would get a lot of people guessing Lancashire. Um, are we punching where we should be on the national scale in terms of our voice across the UK? And we were clearly a, a, a bigger county and a louder voice when Manchester and Liverpool and Merseyside yeah. were, were all part of Lancashire. Yeah. And Manchester is still an extraordinarily impressive, mm-hmm. um, busy, successful city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was really leading mm-hmm. Lancashire um, through the days of the Industrial Revolution. Um, we don't have that weight mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that we used to have, um, but we still got a population of 1.6 million people. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're significant uh, mm-hmm. in size, even if we haven't got the weight we used to have. Yeah. Um, and I think we do pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's rather ironic, though, that um, now parts of old Lancashire, like Manchester and Merseyside, are in a sense the competition. Yeah, yeah. Whereas they were all, all part of us once. Yeah. Trying to pull things north mm-hmm. of Manchester and Merseyside mm-hmm. is quite a challenge for Lancashire. Yeah, because... And it's much harder for Cumbria. And connectivity-wise, it, it's not brilliant in the county, well, we're lucky, is it? Well, we're lucky with the motorways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, I mean, commuting by 
public transport mm-hmm. um, is really very difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, almost I, impossible. I would not get. I would not go to County Hall, for example, on a train from Colm yeah. because I wouldn't be sure it would ever turn up, <laughs> and the bus would take even longer as the replacement. But I guess there's an argument there for we are great engineers. It's, a, it's always struck me that the county is a great place for people to start and grow national businesses. When you look at places like Boundary Mill, which was started in a cotton mill in Colm, which is now all around the UK. There are some great, Eric Wright, there are some great businesses that have started here and we're very fortunate that it might not be the best place geographically for those businesses to be headquartered if they were to just set up anew. But because they were set up by Lancastrians who are proud of where they're from, they've chosen to stay here today. Mm. Um, And I think that's something we always punch above our weight on. And I think what we're very good at is we probably shout in the county about business a lot. And that's very good for inspiring young people. But maybe often we don't shout beyond the county. I think that's probably true. We probably don't get our share of... Um, incoming startups or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, though, I think if people come and have a look, mm-hmm. they very much like it when they get here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the accessibility to the countryside, mm-hmm. as I say, the motorway connections are good. Um, and um, the people are very friendly. Mm-hmm. I think we, we're, we are a very enterprising bunch. I saw some figures um, maybe two years ago that had. The most East Lancashire had the most internet startup, sort of tech startup businesses per concentration of anywhere in the UK. So that's people sat at home giving it a go, and I think that's just very much the attitude of Lancastrians, isn't it? Get stuck in. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the other great thing I think Lancastrians do is have the other great um, asset is persistence. Mm-hmm roll their sleeves up and get stuck in. Yeah. Not necessarily making a lot of noise about it, uh-huh. but just getting on with it and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just, uh, obviously, <clears throat> um, tourism has become a very big thing for Lancashire. Pendle is the forest of Boland, um, Lancaster. There are some great visitor hotspots now here um, where we're punching with the lakes, really. It always strikes me, I see people driving off to the lakes for a walk and I can walk out of my front door and have similar views. And I think over maybe the last five or six years, we've started to punch more in terms of attracting visitors to come and look at the beautiful countryside we've got. And as part of that, there has been a rise in the food economy. And we're becoming incredible at producing some really good locally sourced food that has been grown, produced in Lancashire and is served up in some of the best restaurants. There were um, the top uh, the top 50 gastro list was out yesterday. Three of those are from Lancashire. Um, the Queen had her first pub lunch here in Lancashire. And uh, I think she said something like, if this is a pub lunch, I'll have one on every visit. Um, and I think that was at the Inn at Whitewell, which is um, a pub that I think she is part of her estate, yes, isn't it? So yes. the Queen's pub. What is your favourite pub lunch in Lancashire? Well, we're very fortunate. Um, we've got one of the great restaurants in Lancashire uh, at Hipping Hall down mm-hmm. uh, the bottom of the village here. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far as pubs are concerned, um, within 
three miles of here. We've got the highwayman at Barrow mm -hmm. and the Loomsdale Arms at Tunstall, mm -hmm. and I'm delighted to go to either. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're both absolutely excellent. Neither really existed mm -hmm. um, ten years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it has, as you say, it's come with the um, growth of awareness of the opportunity yeah, to make uh, for, uh, for tourists. And there is a, there has been, it'd be interesting to see the number of pubs that were closed or failing ten years ago that have now turned around in in Lancashire, because I can think of my local village pub was closed ten years ago and now is doing a roaring trade. Um, the pub up the road from me was mm. closed and is now doing a roaring trade. So and I th so I think there has been a huge turnaround, probably in people's attitudes to going out to eat regular. I think that's that's definitely on the increase. People do go out much more to eat, mm -hmm. and of course that's what's saved the pubs. It's the food bit, mm -hmm. um, not not the drink bit. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got jolly good at it too. Um, yeah. They really have. Um, yeah. Um, I, I've got some other um, Lancashire-style questions where I want you to nail your colours to the mass, really. Um, what, which is, what's your favourite part of Lancashire? Well, it's... Um, I live in one of the most beautiful corners, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm really very fond of the uh, Loon Valley. Mm -hmm. um, it's not generally known that the highest hill in Lancashire is up behind us now. Okay. Um, it's called Gregarath. Okay. Sounds mm -hmm. a bit Welsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Grey Garth, that's okay. where I think it comes from. Um, but it's really basically Lech Fell. Okay. If you mm -hmm. ask most people the highest hill in Lancashire, they will say Pendle. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's not. It's mm -hmm. over 2,000 feet up the top okay. there behind, behind this house. I bet there are some good views from up there. There are some fabulous views. You yeah. can see the whole of the Trough of Boland the whole of the Loon Valley, um, all the Lake District hills, mm -hmm. um, and Morecambe Bay, mm -hmm. and ten miles yeah, yeah. to the west, but stretches out. And so do you think that's your favourite? Do you think that's your favourite point it's, it's, in the county? I call it the best view in England. Um, yeah. I go up onto Lech Fell mm -hmm. because you can see such a contrast. You're going to have um, hundreds of people walking. Well, we're delighted to welcome them. Um, we've also got you know, the largest pothole system um, in, in, in England. Okay. Up there, wow. um, where you can go down one pothole on the yeah. bottom of my farm and you can do something like 80 kilometres. Have you ever done any potholing yourself? I went down once, just I thought I ought to see what it was like. Yeah. We've got these great potholes on Lake Fell. Mm -hmm. Um, I was completely terrified. Mm -hmm. It's pitch dark, surprise, surprise. Um, and the temperature is a constant 37 degrees or mm -hmm. something. Um, there are some severe uh, vertical drops yeah. um, on the, where I went down, uh, Lost John's. Um, and uh, even one bit where you had to hold yourself uh, up by yeah. pushing out with your arms and your legs as you walked down basically walking down a, a crack yeah. um, and it gave one um, complete cramp because you pushed very hard indeed yeah, yeah. or you were going to fall 50 feet to the wow. bottom the only potholing I've ever done um, and it was enough to put me off was under the floorboards at Whiteo Camp School um, <laughs> just near Burnley where they had like this um, practice really? bit where they lifted up a hatch and you went under the floorboards and being just under the floor was enough to ever to put me off but of course in this particular part of Lancashire and going into Cumbria is very well known for its potholing yeah, and then Lancashire, over yeah. into, um, into the Yorkshire Dales and just on the Yorkshire Dales point as we were um, 
driving in today, when we got here, I said, are we even in Lancashire? Because, of course, we're actually, although we're in Lancashire, we're actually in part of the Yorkshire Dales, aren't we? Indeed, the Yorkshire Dales um, National Park extended westwards in this mm-hmm. corner um, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, rather upset, I think, yeah, some yeah. people in Lancashire yeah. to find themselves uh, transferred into the Yorkshire Dales National Park. But we are still in the county. Yeah, Lancashire. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'd just like it's to just see a different planning authority, really. It, well, it's it? a, a, yeah, much more um, strict. You know, based, based a lot further uh, east and yeah. um, don't necessarily look at Lancashire very favourably. No, no, no. Um, and in, so you've seen a lot of businesses in Lancashire. Um, I just want you to think back to. Have you got one or two business visits that really stand out for you? Um, it's mostly the people mm-hmm. that make the visits fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've visited the largest companies like um, British Aerospace, mm-hmm. um, BAE Systems, mm-hmm. um, and I've visited very large educational establishments, universities, mm-hmm. um, we're proud of the ones we've got in mm-hmm. Lancashire. Um, but what I really enjoy visiting are the small manufacturing companies, usually family-run, yeah. uh, and meeting the people who either started them or took them on from a past generation and have really made a go of it, and, and, uh, and presenting Queen's Awards for Enterprises. And so how do we ensure that those small manufacturing businesses, which have probably a lot of them have, have probably been family businesses for a while, how do we ensure that they continue? Because it's difficult to see in all of them where the succession path is, isn't it? Yes, it's, I mean, it's not easy for other people to ensure that they do continue. First mm-hmm. of all, they've got to continue to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them, uh, particularly in the engineering world, are exporting mm-hmm. um, around the world and rely, therefore, on uh, other markets. It's not as though we can... Uh, the general public can j- just buy Lancashire mm-hmm. business products. So I mean, a lot of them are completely um, are not the sort of things that consumers will will, will be buying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, I'm always surprised by how little people know about the businesses that are in their own street or in yeah. their own town. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something around. <clears throat> We need people to be a little bit more proud of manufacturing and engineering as um, a, as a career. My dad worked at Rolls-Royce for the vast majority of his career, and it's something that we're very proud of because it, he managed to look after us very well. Um, but I think we need to be uh, injecting into the school kids of today um, almost... We need an engineering centre of excellence to teach these children that this is a really proud career. You're building for the nation, um, and it's something that you should want to do. I think I think that message is getting through, particularly uh, in engineering uh, mm-hmm. and in places like Burnley. Yeah, um, we've got to make young people realise what they can achieve yeah. if they put the hard graft in at training and education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the jobs are no longer going to be guaranteed at the end of the road <laughs> yeah. in fairly unskilled, mm-hmm. heavy labouring jobs. Yeah. Um, but they are going to be there for the reasons we've been talking about, you know, mm-hmm. the innate um, skills of some of these businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do your training, 
Um, and it is gratifying, I think, uh, you know, to see how, for example, the University of Central Lancashire, UCLA, yeah. are developing a campus in Burnley, mm -hmm. raising people's aspirations, making young people feel that they can learn something. And I, th I think just on the topic of UCLAN itself, when I look back to when I was choosing a university, I, I could have got... Uh, UCLAN had a campus up in near Penrith at the time, I think, um, um, which is now Aston Bryan. Um, and I looked at it, and the way that university has developed since the time I went to university to now is really quite something. And I think that's really important because it means that people in Lancashire can go to university without necessarily having to move away. And we have a real problem with when young people go to university and Manchester or Leeds, they never return because they've seen the bright lights of the city and we're very lucky that people like you did return, but we could end up with quite a severe brain drain of people going to university and never returning. I think it's an inevitable fact of life that mm -hmm. people who, young people who go to university somewhere else, some of them will stay there yeah. where, wherever they go to and indeed, one of my children went to Leeds and is still there <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But what we've got to make sure we can do in Lancashire is attract people to us, uh -huh. not necessarily hang on to the people who are here now, yeah. are brought, brought up here, because it's inevitable that some uh -huh. will go. Yeah. But we've got to be an attractive county to people uh, to come to. Mm -hmm. And I think we're getting better at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not quite an exact uh, thing, but just look at the people um, from the BBC uh, working in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. They mm -hmm. put up the most tremendous fight against coming north. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the lots of the ones I've spoken to are now thrilled. Yeah. They've no and, idea. And a lot of them live in Lancashire. Yeah, they know they, they, what a marvellous they, They're living place. in the cheap housing and working in yeah, the... Yeah, uh, but they've no idea what a, a great absolutely. city um, there was on their doorstep, what great countryside, what opportunities... Um, mm -hmm. and, and you hear much less about the, um, you know, the, oh, I don't want to go north. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just want to touch quickly on um, the work that you do with educating younger, younger people about the monarchy in Lancashire um, and the royal family. What's, what goes on behind the scenes to well, prepare the next generation of royalists? <laughs> I've got quite a lot of deputy lieutenants. Mm -hmm. Um, being a big county, we need quite a lot of um, deputies. Yeah. And during the uh, Golden Jubilee year, uh, we arranged to go into primary schools mm -hmm. um, all around Lancashire to talk a bit about what a Golden Jubilee mm -hmm. for the monarch was. Yeah. Um, and we got um, a good slideshow prepared um, by the palace mm -hmm. and I got um, a young teacher to liven it up a bit with mm -hmm. a few questions that uh, they thought would appeal more to the, to the yeah. kids in the school. We visited 250 schools that wow. year, the mm -hmm. deputy lieutenants, mm -hmm. uh, and went to either assembly or a class. Yeah. Um, and talk to a, a lot of children uh, and I've just got from the palace a modern version of mm -hmm. the slideshow uh, we will go and visit any school which would like to see us mm -hmm. um, for 15 minutes yeah. just what is the monarchy yeah. and what does it do and mm -hmm. what does it mean to ordinary people yeah uh, and we I can, think that's we quite good. That, that. Yeah, I think that's very good. Though. We did it again for the Diamond Jubilee mm -hmm. um, 10 years later 
And of course, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee is already in sight, mm -hmm. yeah. 2022. Yes, that's not far. You, you, the plans for that must be starting. Well, people soon. are thinking. Yeah, yeah. 70 years on the throne. Wow. Wow, that is an incredible time. And um, just in terms of you being the de uh, the Lord of Lieutenant, how well how were you told that you were asked to be, <laughs> the, uh, and what and what was that like? Um, it's quite a long time ago now, mm -hmm. twenty two years in my case. Um, and of course, the previous Lord Lieutenant was a Burnley lad. Yes, it still is. So, yeah, um, yeah. Sir Simon Townley. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> I um was um, invited down to see the Prime Minister's appointment secretary okay. uh, with my wife uh -huh. uh, in 10 Downing Street. Um, and I hadn't really a clue yeah. uh, why I was invited to see this distinguished civil servant. Um, and when I got there it was explained that um, uh, they'd been making some consultations around the county um, and would I you know, be prepared, subject to all the approvals from the Queen and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. for the Prime Minister to put my name forward. Uh, and that was about three weeks before my predecessor's retirement date. Okay. I didn't get much warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's how it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, the Prime Minister has an appointment secretary mm -hmm. who consults widely in the mm -hmm. county mm -hmm. um, when a Lord Lieutenant's retiring mm -hmm. about his or her successor, mm -hmm. and the Prime Minister recommends to the Queen. Mm -hmm. um, and what was that moment like? Um, of course, one's fairly ignorant about it. Yeah. I had no idea what was involved. I didn't know it was going to be such a time-consuming uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. job. Um, <laughs> but it, it's an enormous privilege mm -hmm. to represent the Queen. Yeah. in the county of one's birth, where mm -hmm. one lives, yeah. amongst one's friends and colleagues and fellow Lancastrians. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. Um, and what, what would you say that your biggest achievement so far in life has been? Gosh. <laughs> um, well, I've been very fortunate um, to have been you know, invited to um, some remarkable things, mm -hmm. um, particularly as, as, as Lord Lieutenant. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I mean, I'd like to think that my um, greatest achievements are much more uh, mundane, like keeping the sheep farm. Yeah, going. yeah, yeah. But in terms of um, of, of, of high excitement. Um, <laughs> Um, I guess there are two. Some of the national events I've, I've yeah. been, been to. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And um, there must be pinch yourself happen. moments where you're just. Yeah, it, it must be yes. pretty amazing um, sometimes. And, 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 and obviously, um, Her Majesty the Queen's an extraordinarily um, powerful presence. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's a great privilege to be um, yeah. with her on occasions. And how formal is how formal is that? Because I guess I, I'm guessing that the Queen doesn't just pick up the phone to you and say what's going on in Lancashire. I, no, no, I, um, that's done much more through uh, her, her staff. Um, yeah. uh, and to be honest, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are topics that we get consulted about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
and um, I was fortunate enough to be chairman of the association of Lord Lieutenants, mm -hmm. sort of head boy really, <laughs> um, for 10 years, and yeah. so uh, got quite involved in some of the policy issues yeah, yeah. around things like the honours system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I, I guess I guess you don't get a, you won't have a great deal of one to one time with the Queen. It, most of it will be formal on visits. Yes, um, but um, I was very fortunate again to have um, a, a job as chairman of the Duchy of Lancaster. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, chairman of the council, uh, and did have to go and see the Queen on. Mm -hmm. several occasions and escort her around bits of the duchy. And the duchy of course is the Queen's estate in the northwest really isn't well, it? Well it's not only in the northwest mm -hmm. it's in about um, 15 counties. Oh, wow, wow. Um, in fact the northwest probably doesn't certainly doesn't have the biggest acreage. Mm -hmm. um, there's a large very large estate in Yorkshire, mm -hmm. uh, another one in Cheshire, another one in Staffordshire um, basically rural, mm -hmm. there's also an urban estate around the Palace of the Savoy in London, okay. um, which has been there for and so seven, I guess 750 years. Your, your role as chairman of the council was really chairman of the company, as it exactly. were. Exactly, it's run very much on corporate lines, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I used to go and see the Green show her the annual accounts. Yeah. She yeah. wasn't always very, I mean, as long as the bottom line was all right, she wasn't too yeah. bothered with the detail of the figures. Yeah. She really wanted to know about the people, mm -hmm. the tenant farmers, mm -hmm. um, and uh, the farms themselves, yeah. and uh, animals, um, uh, yeah, the stock farms. Yeah, because she's um, quite an animal person as well, isn't she? And certainly I remember visiting, you know, where Myasco College's farm mm -hmm. is part of the duchy, yeah. um, you know, visiting some uh, cattle there, mm -hmm. um, horses, yeah, very keen very, to see yeah. um, uh, horses being shooed and yeah, that sort of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and particularly where young people are learning about mm -hmm. animals. But those were the things that interested her most. Yeah, as long in, as it was, as long, yeah, yeah, as long um, as the bottom line was okay, it was all about. Yes, that took um, a short time yeah, uh, yeah, to yeah. talk about, and the rest of the time we spent talking about people and, yeah. and farms. And, and away from all of the work, um, just trying to find out who Lord Shuttleworth is behind <laughs> everything else. What are you, what are your passions outside of all of work and farming? Well, Burnley Football Club. Mm -hmm. um, Great opera. Okay. I yeah. love going yeah. to the opera. Mm -hmm. um, and um, trying to catch a, fam a salmon. Okay. That's okay. rather a passion of mine. It's very difficult nowadays. And what's the, fishing, so what's the fishing like in Lancashire? Well, it's, it's, I don't frankly do it in Lancashire. Yeah. Um, I tend to go on holiday. Yeah, fishing almost holidays. Almost to Scotland. Okay. Um, which I greatly enjoy, mm -hmm. even more remote than yeah, some yeah, bits yeah. of Lancashire. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a very restful. And what at, at the end of at the end of a stressful day, you've had a visit or whatever. What would you do to relax at home? Um, well, it depends if my wife's uh, here as well. <laughs> um, she would like me to watch Coronation Street. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I don't like doing. <laughs> um, I would be very happy watching uh, a football match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but mm -hmm. she doesn't like doing that very much. <laughs> so it's half and half. Half and half. Um, 
and, or, or nipping out to one of these uh, you know, lovely pub restaurants that mm-hmm. we've been talking about. Yeah, and the final uh, few bits really. Um, what do you? I think that Lancashire is the best county in the United Kingdom. Um, what do you think? Do you agree with that? And what do you think makes Lancashire stand well, out? It, it's a county of immense contrasts. Mm-hmm. Whether it's physical from the tops of the mountains, you know, two thousand mm-hmm. feet above sea level, right down to the seashore at Blackpool. Yeah. Um, so it's got a great variety mm-hmm. of landscape. Um, it's got a great manufacturing base mm-hmm. relative to most counties, better than most. Um, it's interesting. One of the things that I and my deputy lieutenants do is preside over citizenship ceremonies. Mm-hmm. People in Lancashire from overseas who want to become British citizens. Yeah. We have a couple a week, two ceremonies wow. a week. Wow. And do you know that we've made British citizens in Lancashire of people from 140 different countries? Wow. Now that tells you something, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Other people see a real merit in mm-hmm. Lancashire. Mm-hmm. 140 different countries. Wow. Wow. have become British citizens. And then I guess the final, the final question from me as we wrap up is, um, what, what are three rules for Lancastrians to live by to get on in this county? Gosh, that's a difficult one, yeah, isn't it? it? It's, it's, um, I think um, stand together. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, together we you know, really can go places. Yeah. Um, respect your neighbour is what I'm saying really yeah, and, uh, yeah. uh, stand together mm-hmm. um, and one of the most important things whether it's in business or in is integrity mm-hmm. um, Lancastrians uh, who are good businessmen mm-hmm. but we don't want sharp practice or anything yeah. like that yeah. we want to be people want to do business with us because mm-hmm. we, we're good to do business with mm-hmm. Um, Very good. So, uh, in, in integrity, mm-hmm. um, and I suppose inevitably, a sense of humour. Yeah, and we have which that gets in you, gets you so. a long way, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, Charles Lordsworth, thank you very much. That's been brilliant. I could talk all day, but our time is up. Thank you. As always, Spitting Feathers is produced by Alex Hallisey and hosted by me, Paul White, for SpittingFeathersPodcast.co.uk. We'll be back real soon, but if you like what you've heard today, please remember to subscribe for the next episode.